Welcome to the Society's Child Podcast, where we have real conversations about being a trauma-responsive educator in the midst of a significant mental health crisis. Hi, I'm Trish Senzak, a former educator, compassion advocate, and Jesus lover, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Are you feeling confuzzled about your students' behavior and needs? You're not alone. If trauma-informed strategies leave you wondering, what's next? Don't worry. My friend, I've been there too. As a foster mom and a child of complex trauma mixed with my experience as a teacher, it's led me to finding a compassionate, whole child approach that's evidence-based, practical, and transformational, and I'm so eager to share it with you. Whether you want to connect with your students on a deeper level, create a trauma-sensitive environment, or you just need a little bit of encouragement or support, you're in the right place. So grab a drink, a pen, or your earbuds, and let's work together to create a safe and student-attuned trauma-responsive school culture. Society's children need you. So let's get started. Hey friends, I'm excited to talk to you today because I have a special guest that I want to introduce you to. I was excited because I got to interview Jim Sporleader, And if you don't know who he is, you've really got to listen to this story. He was the principal of Lincoln High School in Walla Walla, Washington. He's now retired, but Lincoln was the first high school in the country to implement a trauma-responsive approach. And that was an approach for handling student discipline and basically developing a really responsive, trauma-informed school culture. And Lincoln High School caught the eye of Jamie Redford, who was a documentary film director. He came to the school and spent a whole year documenting the work there. And the work was really incredible because the test scores and the data showed how this really works. So Jim has since retired and he travels the country and he has written a book, The Trauma-Informed School, a step-by-step guide for teachers and administrators wanting to become trauma-informed schools. So this is a really, really cool interview that I got a chance to do. He has had a chance to be a keynote speaker at many of the nation's top school conferences, and he trains out of this book, and he bases everything on the power of one. And what this means is he believes that it's about how one caring adult relationship can lead a student from hopelessness to hope. And he says, if I can understand the power of one, then I want to be that person to as many as people as possible, seeking positive interactions with those who cross my path daily. And isn't that what it's about with our students? I've talked about that since the beginning of this podcast for four weeks now about compassion, being with our students and being in this movement with them. And I think we can learn a lot from him. And so I'm hoping you find some great nuggets out of this today. This is actually just a tiny part of our podcast interview that we had together and it's going to be because I want to respect your time as educators it's going to be broken into several episodes that we're going to have here because I really want you to pay attention to the nuggets and wisdom that he shares here in this episode so today's episode I cannot wait for you to hear what he has to share because it nails the points home and he's done it my friends He has done it. He is living proof that this can be done even with resistant educators. So I hope this blesses you. Let's get started. Thank you so much for meeting me. I feel so honored to like 
I've gotten a yes. So I'm <laughs> super excited. So thank you. You so bet. Tell me a little more about yourself. You know I'm a person of faith. I was just sharing with somebody the other day that uh, everything I have planned in life has not turned. There's always been a turn. God's always been a part of that turn. And when that turn comes, there's been that panic. I got through college, but I struggled academically. And uh, all I wanted to do was uh, coach and teach PE. And when I went to do my student teaching, the principal said, uh, I wouldn't be doing you a service if I didn't put you in, in the classroom. And I, I, I literally panicked. So he put me in a classroom and he took me down and introduced me to the teacher. And as he was going down, he turned around, he says, did I mention to you that the class is a special ed class? And I thought, oh my God, not those kids. I uh, fell in love with those kids, spent 13 years with, with special ed kids. I, I would have told you, you were crazy to think that I would even go into administration. I had no desire, ended up in administration. Middle school, which I, I was in my 22nd year, li literally was my dream job. Got a... Uh, consultant came by to visit with me and he wanted to share a report about the alternative programs in the district and I had no clue that he was hired for that to be honest with you I was, I was even wondering well, why are you why are you coming to tell me about it he let he left me the report took several days before I even read it but after reading it I was just absolutely devastated with what the kids were saying about themselves they, they did not feel safe at school they didn't feel like anybody cared about them. Wow. The teachers said they, they didn't feel safe at school, didn't feel like the district supported them. Community members felt like the school was a waste of taxpayer dollars. They should shut it down. Mm. Police chief said he had a hard time keeping Walla Walla safe because of the amount of time his officers were at the school. I kept telling my wife, I was frustrated with the district, and, and I, I knew the reputation of the school. I mean, that, that was well known, but... I told my wife, someone needs to go, they need to find somebody to go over to that school. And it was just, just a gnawing that, that just wouldn't leave. And finally, my wife one night said, you keep talking about it. Maybe you are the one that needs to go. And wow. of course, I told her, well, no, I'm, I'm in my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I realized that it was that it was a calling, I went and asked to be transferred. And boy put my faith on the line because I thought I was going to go over there and be welcomed and start changing the culture right away, but it was never never walked into an environment that was so out of control and, and unpredictable. We, we definitely went through the fire before we were able to start turning some corners, and that ended up being Lincoln. After my third year, I was exposed to the trauma research and, and the impact it had on the brain, but more importantly, the power of a caring adult relationship. Life's never been the same since. Mm. Yeah, it's been interesting to listen to your story and think about how you got there. And it's there's no coincidence that it's God. And like you said, the, the, the turns, the things he puts on our hearts. I want to personally say thank you for answering that calling and listening to what God is putting on your heart as your purpose. There's a lot of kids that because of you, now this this movement is going forward and so very thankful that there's someone that was brave enough to lead the way and even though you didn't know, you were leading the way. I, I, I'm grateful for the calling. I certainly don't want to take credit that I'm the one. You're I'm the one that got attention. <laughs> definitely grateful for the journey.
I remember when I watched Paper Tigers, I resonated so much with it and cried through it just at the compassion with these hard kids because it was just something that I knew that was the, it's just, it's got to be something we do with educators. And then another word that I think God really laid on my heart in one of your podcast interviews, I think I've heard two or three, just, it was interesting. I don't want to become trauma informed. I believe we need to become trauma responsive across our campuses, or at least that's the takeaway that I took. And I felt like that was a, na a nail that just, God said, that's what I want you to use. That's the campaign I want you to launch. Foundational piece is, is that if our leaders do not lead this initiative, it's not going to happen. And if it's done in isolation where you have teachers that are putting it into practice, it's, it's wonderful for the impact that they have on those kids for that year, mm. but it's heartbreaking when they go from that, that environment to the next, and it could be a very traditional-minded, punitive-minded uh, mm. teacher, and, 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 and things can really regress or go backwards. So when you talk about principals and administrators, it has to start with them, or it's not gonna happen. Mm. That's a that's the sad part of the movement. If, but if the leader's not willing to lead it, um, I don't. Even, I, I won't go to a school if, if the leader's not on board because it's. I'm just. Wa I'm wasting dollars. Mm. I love how you said that. It has to start with the leaders, and that is so true. And it's very important, I guess, for us to think about if we're just doing it in classroom and the kids move on and they're not in it in the next classroom, it can almost be damaging. And so, or they're not going to another school and they're not receiving that same type of reception for a trauma responsive campus. It, it makes complete sense how that would, that would basically the buck would be stopping there. So focusing on the leaders and the administration is, is super important. I like that. Thank you for that recommendation. So when you when you were going into leadership and you found yourself at this school in the middle of, oh my goodness, it's not happening the way I thought it was going to happen. I thought things were just going to start changing. Can you talk about your mindset from when you went in and to how it shifted and the things you realized and the difference in your mindset from the beginning to the shift and then what it ended up with and how you had to start thinking? Well, I, I'd have to take a step back from my classroom when I went into administration at the middle school. I've always been student focused. I actually went into teaching not because a specific teacher had an impact on me, but because of the struggles I had, especially mm -hmm. in elementary school. I, I went into teaching because I wanted to tell kids what I had hoped that teachers would have told me growing up. So the relationships I had with my students in my class uh, was everything to me, but I had a traditional mindset on discipline. So as I went into administration, even though I loved working with the toughest of the toughest, I knew I had to have a relationship with them. I had to get relationships with the families that, that, that were very difficult to work with. I, I knew all that and worked very hard to achieve that but my discipline still was on a more traditional track. I believed I was student-centered, and I believed that my discipline taught kids. But man, when I look back, it's like, oh my goodness, you were 
way, way too punitive. Mm. Uh, you know, I may not have expressed it in a punitive way, but I, you know, if a kid had a major infraction, you know, there was suspension and, and, uh, and when I got to Lincoln, it was so out of control. You, you know, people said, well, how did you handle it? And all I could say is I, I had to carry a big stick because the, the common response when I got to Lincoln, they were so anti-authority and it had been, that culture had gone on for so long that they didn't want to, they didn't feel like doing whatever you asked them to do. They'd just tell you to F off. Mm. And for me, by, by God, you're not going to talk to me that way. They were very angry with, I was doing lots of suspensions, trying to get my hands wrapped around the safety of the school. And there were five gangs represented in the building. And every day I went to work, I felt the tension. I knew the spark was going to go off. I just didn't know when, but when it did, then I had a forest fire. I needed police reinforcement. It, it was crazy. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. But I knew that if God called me, he wouldn't call me over there to fail. Mm. And I had to hold on to that. There were days I thought, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get this thing pulled around or not. So the first three years, even with a kind of a traditional mindset, we, we started to change the culture. We won the kids over. We created safe. I promised them I was going to create a safe school where they would come and feel safe and valued. But man, once I learned about trauma and the impact it had on the brain, I, I was like a bull in a china shop. I, when I got home from the conference, uh, I, t I got my staff together and just said, things are going to happen differently here. And I said, you're not going to be seeing me suspending kids like I've been suspending them. And you got to remember that that was back in 2010. Mm -hmm. So trainings and all were really coming out of the mental health community. We learned enough about relationships that if we're gonna deal with a student, the student, we had to give them time to regulate and not bring them in when they were highly escalated. After putting those into that, those practices into place, bringing the kid in calm and then saying, man, what's going on? Oh my goodness, the kid started sharing stuff and I can remember a kid, I'd give them in-school discipline, but I remember when they left my office thinking, oh my goodness, I suspended so many kids, mm. told them I loved them, told them I was looking forward to them coming back to school, but I'd send them out the door and never knew the story. Mm. And uh, once I started hearing the stories, it was just like, man, how did they even make it to school? Our culture just immediately started changing. I was fortunate that the majority of my staff got on board, believed in what we were doing, and uh, we, we, we couldn't have predicted the changes that we saw. And uh, the, I'm a data guy, and, and the data in one year, uh, sharing that caught the attention of um, Jane Stevens from Aces Too High, mm. and she she flew to Walla Walla and looked at our data and spoke to kids and all, and wrote an article, and that article went viral. In fact, it went viral twice, thirty-two wow. different countries. Wow! Um, it was uh, it was overwhelming. The emails I was getting, I it was crazy, and, and uh. 
that got the attention of Jamie Redford when he wanted to do a film on aces. Mm. And so that's kind of how Paper Tigers came about. Um, but uh, uh, everything had its place and came, came at a time and everything <clears throat> came unexpectedly. Awesome. So can you think in, in your journey, can you think of some of the administrators or teachers, you said a majority came around. Were there a few people that maybe you had to go to and use a different approach with or have conversations with and then were they were you able to win them over? Or were there people, you know, and basically what I'm asking is, what would you say to administrators who really have people that don't understand that might be really coming from a traditional approach that have a difficult time, how would you how would you approach those differently and and how would you guide them and mentor them into getting them to kind of come over? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I would have to answer that question in that when I talk to principals about those that are difficult to bring over, my response to them is differently than, than how I handled it. Um, I, I, I had... I had the tenacity that we were gonna treat our kids a certain way. And I had some that were really fighting it mm -hmm. and, and uh, trying to knock us off our rail. And I could have ha handled them better than I did. I got angry at them. And, uh, and so we had some pretty uh, intense discussions. and. As I think back, um, I, I could, I should have handled that a little bit more compassionately, rather than, uh, you know, if you can't get on board, maybe this isn't the place for you to be. Mm -hmm. But alternative high schools. One, one, one thing about alternative high schools are districts tend to use them as a dumping ground. So if teachers are struggling somewhere else. Uh, they send them to the alternative school, mm. which I, and it's very common. And so the ones that I inherited that, and there weren't that many, but the ones that I inherited that tried to, at first they tried to derail what was happening, but we had too much momentum. And, but we still, still had issues where they're very, very punitive with kids. Um, uh, so you, you just, I, I, I always, what I tell principals now is bring them in, tell them this is the direction we're going to go. I know you're not in support. I'll meet you halfway, but you have to bring the research because the research is very heavily behind what we're doing. And if you'll bring your research in, I'll meet you halfway. And uh, I, I did do that with mine. And when they came to complain, I turned to them and said, when I saw them, I'd say, oh, great, you hit, you're here with the research. And that used to always frustrate them because <laughs> one, they had no interest in looking for the research. And the other thing is there is no research to support 
the direction that they, that they would have wanted them to see. But uh, I I do believe that we have we we, we have to bring these folks on board. We have to have support because there are some teachers that are very good, but it's just a, it's too hard a shift for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I have one uh, young principal that I mentored and as, as he, he, he took a year of letting staff know, here, this is what's coming. And he made it very clear that this wasn't something that was going to come and go. And he let his staff know that if you don't feel comfortable with it, come see me and let's sit down and find a place for you that you'll feel most comfortable. And he had nine teachers come in, mm. but he had nine teachers that, that were able to be transferred out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, The teachers I had that were bucking the system, uh, I couldn't transfer them out because uh, other schools wouldn't have taken them. Transferred them. I, I, I wouldn't have done that because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't believe that you should, if you have, have issues that you need to work with, with staff, that you need to, the, the, the I think it's unethical to pass them on to somebody else just to move them along. But like in his situation, uh, he moved nine, nine came to him. He, he was able to help them. It was a large district and his nine hires were just, out, he knocked it out of the park and uh, his school just, I mean, it, they were doing amazing things. So that's awesome. You, you, I mean, you need, district support uh, mm-hmm. the, the back yeah so what do you think it was for you coming from I heard heard you say several times a few minutes ago for you personally thinking from a teacher and a person who was very punitive very traditional you went to this conference and it's not an easy leap to get from one side to the other what do you think it was that sold you was, I'm not going to put words in your mouth because I think I heard what you said, but I want you, I want to hear what you, what happened for you in that transformation and what it took for you to, to cross that bridge and to say, you know what, there's no, there's no way across this bridge right now, but I've got to build that bridge and get across this chasm. What was it for you that helped you to transition your mindset? Well, the, the keynote I heard was Dr. John Medina, he, he's, he's world known for his brain science and, and all. And uh, when I, the 90 minutes, it's gotta be a God thing because the 90 minutes I was with him during his presentation, I tell people I got hit by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> I, 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 I really honestly can't truly be articulate what happened to me internally but I always believed very strongly that when I was working with students that that to say that a student couldn't do something would be like giving up on that student Mm. and I always believed that the student 
I, or that I had a responsibility to teach them to be responsible for their behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and Dr. Medina's presentation, when he shared how toxic stress, which was the first time I even heard the term, the toxic stress impacts the brain, floods it with cortisol, and when a kid's in the at high state, uh, they physiologically cannot problem solve, and they physiologically cannot uh, learn. Mm. They're not that part of the brain. That that blew everything out that I had believed. I believe again. I believe everybody. You know, we weren't going to give up on a kid. You can do it. And, and so what I took from that when I got back was not to bring the kids in when they were highly escalated, mm. which meant I had to teach them. And so when I first started telling kids, hey, you're really, really upset right now. I'm going to wait for you to calm down. Kids, kids aren't used to hearing that kind of response, right? They, they weren't used to hearing it from me. And, and so as I start putting that into practice, you know, I, I would get comments like, well, I'm not effing calming down, you know? And, and I said, well, that, that's, that's the reason why I'm gonna give you time to calm down. And they calmed down fairly quickly. And, and then I brought them in and, and instead of jumping on whatever it is they did, I just said, wow, when you came in, you looked really upset. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And just those simple questions, they started talking to me. And, and while we were talking, they themselves would say, ah, oh, I feel bad for telling Terry to F off, but um, it wasn't about him. Mm -hmm. It was about a situation that the kid was dealing with outside of school. Uh, things triggered at school, but the cause wasn't from school. And, uh, and as I used in-school discipline as much as I could, then all of a sudden kids were, at first kids wanted to fight me on that because it, they'd much rather have a day out on the streets, right? Uh, but as our culture changed, then kid, kids appreciated the fact that I wasn't gonna put them out. And that way we kept kids in school, we kept them current on their work and we kept them in a nurturing environment where they were loved and uh, and so so that, that that just was part of the change of our culture mm. yeah I love how you say it's a change in the culture because it's not just we're going to implement these rules or these steps it doesn't always just work that way it's the cultural shift and the cult and the way we think and approach um, has to be across the board. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that example. There's there's two approaches. So traditionally, I, I bring you in. I re, I tell you what it is that you did wrong, why it's wrong. I I'm I will probably if it's a, telling a teacher to f off or something like that or a, a physical confrontation. I I would say that we're not doing that here. And then, I, so I, I tell you what's wrong, what you did wrong. I react to the behavior, and I and I give you your consequence, and we move, and you're out the door. 
with a trauma responsive approach, I bring you in and I ask you what's going on. Mm. And I bring you in when you're calm. And at the end of the conversation is when I give the consequence. So, at, and what was happening is at when the kid was calm and we processed what was going on, and at the end I'd say, okay, we gotta take care of this. They wanted to take care of it. They wanted to make it right. And so, you know, if I was an F off to a teacher, I'd say, you know, we got one day of in-school suspension, and um, and then get, we're going to get you back in class, but you're going to have to do your work when you're up there. So people tend to think that this is a passive approach. It is so powerful in changing behaviors and, and getting, getting the outcomes that we want to see with kids without the punitive piece. And, and punitive approach draws disconnection. Mm. Trauma approach causes connection where positive relationships can develop. And once you've got that relationship, you're in the driver's seat helping that student move forward and to get the confidence in themselves and to re-engage. So some of the things that I'm learning a student needs to have in order to do well, they need three things. They need connection, co-regulation, and felt safety. It sounds like, number one, you had the connection with the kid because you've set up this relationship, as you mentioned, and then you brought them in when they're calm and you're both managing to stay regulated in this moment and hear their story, which then, you know, in turn kind of creates this felt safety because they say we're looking inside, outside, and in our relationship four times every second. That's what the brain is doing and that's how we get the felt safety. So it sounds like you were doing those three things before we knew what connection, co-regulation, and felt safety really are. I think if we get administrators to do exactly what you're saying, instead of the first approach, go more towards the second where there's the connection, it's a beautiful thing and we would have great outcomes. Absolutely, and I, I have the bullseye on my table and you know, it's green, yellow, and red. And I, I, took, I took that tool and, when, and I started teaching kids about their brain. So when they came in, mm. I would say, you know, when you first came in, you were in the red. So I pointed to the red and I said, your brain was not in a position for us to do problem solving. I love you too much to, to enter into a discussion when you're in the red. And I said, I also have to watch myself because I don't want to enter a conversation if I'm in the red. And so when I taught that to the kids, they would come in and before I asked them even where they were at, they'd walk right on in and say, Spoiler, I'm in the red. <laughs> and I'd say, oh. I'd say, man, look how you're a self-check. And I'd say, okay, let's take some time to calm down. And so they, they fell into that pattern. And then my last year, I, I, I changed, I added on that target, I, I added a scale, one to 10. Mm. That was even, took it to a, a whole different level because I, when the kids came in, instead of going from, you know, you're in the red or whatever, I, I just say, hey, we got a scale one to 10 right here. Where's your stress right now? Mm. And man, our last year, our kids averaged 5.5 aces and, and you know, they. 
I'd get seven eight, seven eight, seven eight, ten. I don't. I don't think I got anything lower than a six that year. And that then you can just enter right in and go, man, you you got some stuff that you're really having to deal with, and that kind of just opened us up, and we got to the issue so much quicker. Mm. And uh, and it was, uh, I just felt like it was much more of a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. We just got better at it. I love that because then it also helps the kids have some self-accountability in trying to help regulate themselves as well as you regulating you. And then you heard them. You heard it opened that door for the story and that personal connection. And it's so beautiful. And I think we need so much more of that with our kids. And I think if administrators would do this kind of thing on a, on a more regular basis, I think we would start to see the waves and the shift in all of this. If, even if it's not a trauma-informed campus, if we just a, t- adopted that approach by itself, I think we would see our discipline rates and our suspensions and things go down. If you've not had a chance to watch Paper Tigers or have never heard of it, make sure that you research Paper Tigers movie documentary with Jim Sporleader. I will also leave a link to that in the show notes so that you can know where you can find it. I believe you can watch it on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple. There's a few places that you can find it, but I highly recommend if this is on your heart, if you have difficult students that you just don't know how to get to, go watch this example. It is a hard watch, I will have to say. It's not glossed over, and it really looks into the needs of the students, the parents, the principal, everything. Takes the whole relationships and all of this and looks at it. I highly recommend watching this as a starting place because it truly reflects what we're dealing with in our schools and how it can be turned around. I hope that you found some good nuggets from this podcast episode today. It is my heart that you find something that you can take away and apply on your campus I know we all have areas where we can grow, and I know I certainly learned a lot from him, and I hope you do too. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to go and sign up to be on our group. Check out Jim's information. Call him to your school. This is information I believe that all of our campuses can use if you're not already working on it. So I look forward to sharing more with you on the next episodes. And I do try to respect your time, try to keep these episodes short and sweet. And I know I went a little over my my aiming time today, but I pray that it was it was good, good information for you. And that I pray that it blesses you until we talk again, my friends. Hey, amazing educators. Thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review. Even better, share this episode with a colleague. And hey. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can even join my Facebook group for some extra support and a dash of inspiration. I've left all the links in the show notes. Until next time, my friend, remember, you're not alone on this journey. You've got this. Keep making a difference and stay teach-tastic.